Well, 438 people were waiting for a hospital bed yesterday morning with struggling hospitals remaining under unprecedented pressure. One hospital, where trolley numbers are typically zero or at least not much above it, is Waterford University Hospital. Well, Professor Rob Landers is president of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. He's also a consultant in Waterford and he joins me on the line now from our Waterford studio. Good afternoon to you, Rob Landers. Good afternoon, Colin. Before we get to your own local hospital, going back to, I suppose, the national picture with your uh, IHCA hat on reports today that um, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, is going to press ahead with the new consultants contract. Have your members delivered a verdict on that yet and, and when will they? Uh, no, column is the short answer. We haven't uh, delivered a verdict. We're still in a very detailed phase of consultation with our members. Um, and just to put that in context, I suppose uh, Minister Donnelly terminated the discussions on this contract back in the 7th of December. In the meantime, we've had unprecedented demand across our hospital system, as you've just alluded to. And we're in a very complex and detailed process of consultation with our with our members, which is ongoing. And we'd hope to have that finalised perhaps towards the end of February. Um, so we're at the 11th hour now in, in these discussions. Uh, there are still some items that need clarification uh, from our perspective. And we'd hope to get that in the coming weeks and be in a position to make a recommendation or not uh, on the new contract. Right, but, but far from a done deal. So what is it that the Minister is going to be forging ahead with if it's not agreed? Well, I, I presume if he's going to forge ahead, he's going to forge ahead with the contract that uh, was approved by Cabinet on the 7th of December. Um, that has not got the agreement of, of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association, nor, as I understand it, from the IMO either. So, look, we hope that that won't happen. We think there's room for more collaborative discussion on this. Uh, and we're willing and, and able to come to the table uh, with to finish our consultation process We'll do that and we hope to be in a position at that point to issue a verdict on it. Right. But if it's a contract that people don't want to sign, what basis does that provide for reform in hospitals? Oh, that, but, but that's the worry, Colm. Yeah, so we're, as we speak, one in four consultant posts are vacant across our hospital system. We're three to four thousand beds short in our hospital system. And our consultant staffing numbers are running at about 40% of the EU average. So it's absolutely critical that any new consultant contract that's put in place is attractive in the international market to attract consultants of, of, of good calibre to Ireland to staff our acute hospitals. So if that contract isn't attractive, we're going to be in real trouble and continuing real deep trouble. So just to turn, I suppose, to your own local situation where I suppose consultant numbers doesn't seem to be interfering with the fact that you have a zero trolley count. I'm sure you'd say you don't have enough doctors in Waterford University Hospital, but what's Waterford doing right to keep the, the hospital clear of trolleys? There's a couple of factors that we work very hard on in University Hospital Waterford, uh, Column to get this right. First of all, I suppose there's a culture that patients coming in through the emergency department are prioritised. So any patient presenting to University Hospital Waterford as an emergency is prioritised for a bed. There's whole staff engagement on, the, on this 
from the management team to the consultants to the junior doctors to the staff nurses and to the allied health professionals on the ground. So there's a culture there that we will get every patient coming in through the emergency department a bed. And there's, I suppose, almost a zero zero tolerance policy to trolleys. We don't want anybody languishing on a trolley. Now, that's not without its, 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 its downsides, I suppose. You know, the cost of getting everybody a bed that comes in means we do have to push out some elective activity. But I think it's the lesser of two evils. Our emergency patients uh, get a bed, get treated and get discharged as quickly as possible. And the work of consultants, it said that, you know, there are a, a, a cover roster across seven days. So what does that look like? Is that specialist consultants operating in a general capacity when the need arises or is it offer, are they still operating in their area of specialism? Well, I, I think one of the misconceptions out there and perhaps it's been misrepresented as well in the last week or 10 days is the consultants across the country don't work weekends or don't work into the evenings or don't work nights. Consultants in this country provide 24-7 care 365 days a year. So if you need emergency care from a consultant at any stage of the day or night, any day of the year, you will get it in our acute hospital But your system. hospital is, is particularly different because the seven-day rostering agreement with consultants in Waterford is being held up as something that is different from other hospitals. Is that right? Yeah, well, up to a point. Um, our emergency department physicians do work across the seven days. Um, the remainder of the consultant body do a lot of weekend work, what we call structured weekend work, which is allowed for in the consultant contracts, and of course provide a very um, robust on-call service as well. So, as I said, any patient that needs emergency care from a consultant at any time of the day or night is going to get it. Um, and. I suppose to, to go, you know, we're doing this on the existing consultant contract. We don't, we don't need a new consultant contract to deliver that type of care and achieve those type of outcomes. But what you're saying could be applied to any hospital in the country, and yet it isn't. And implicit in, in what you're saying about a particular culture in Waterford, does that culture just not exist in hospitals where the trolley numbers are higher? Uh, well, I, I suppose, Colm, I, I can really only speak of, uh, underground from my own perspective in, in, in University Hospital of Waterford. I'm not sure what's going on uh, underground. You in don't Ar- have any insight into it from your role as president of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association, do you? For, well, uh, of the national yeah, picture, I, even anecdotally. I, I suppose, look, I mean, what happens in Waterford as well, it's a very important to say, is, is I think there is local decision making. There's good effective local decision making and authority has been devolved to the hospital to make those decisions. Now, that was accelerated during the COVID pandemic and we saw the benefits of that authority and decision making moving closer to the front line, down to the local management team and the consultants on the ground. And that allows changes. You cannot govern or run a hospital remotely from several hundred miles away. People have to be on the ground, engaged, talking to the staff, seeing what the issues are, solving them on an hour by hour, day by day basis. So, well, do you have any other consultants from the Hospital Consultants Association, even on a conversational level, looking, uh, looking for information from you as to what you're doing in Waterford? Uh, Yes, of course we do. I mean, Waterford is being held up and I think, you know, justifiably at the moment as a a hospital that's that's working. Uh, We don't have any trolleys. We're managing to reduce our outpatient waiting list at the same time. And for example, yesterday, you know, notwithstanding the crisis, the 
Irish hospital system is in, Watford was able to do a full elective surgical lists. You know, so, I mean, so Watford is working. It's working extremely well. But as I said, there is, not without a cost either, Colm. You know, right. yeah, we do need more elective capacity. We do need more diagnostics, uh, etc. And we need more consultants to, to allow us to fully address the issues. Right, and just before I go to our, our panel here in studio, the, um, the issue of step-down facilities, community beds, nursing home capacity outside the hospital, is that something that Waterford has ramped up in order to, once people are admitted onto the acute beds on the ward, get them out the other side again when they're capable of getting out? Uh, absolutely. So my association, the IHCA, would say, you know, the, the, the solutions to our hospital crisis are, are hiding in plain sight. We need more hospital beds and we need more consultants. So right. Waterford has purchased more hospital beds from a private operator, uh, UPMC, in the city, and it has purchased some step-down beds in local nursing homes. Right. So that does improve the flow, and it just goes to show that if you increase capacity, albeit in the private sector, if you increase capacity, the system is going to work better. Our current system is way under capacity. OK, all right. Um, stay with us, Rob Landers. I'm, let me introduce you to the political panel here in studio this week. Peter Burke, Fine Gael TD for Longford Westmeath and Minister of State uh, for European Affairs and Defence. Verona Murphy, Independent TD for Wexford and Aon O'Reardon Labour TD for Dublin Bay North and Party Spokesperson on Education and Justice. Peter Burke, to you first. Rob Landers says there, solutions are in plain sight. No better man to see them maybe than the Minister for Health. Why aren't they being implemented elsewhere? Well, I think they are being implemented. In the first instance, though, I really acknowledge that this is a very difficult time for staff right across our healthcare system and also for patients who are not getting the quality of care that they deserve. But I would point out in the first instance, we are faced with a lethal cocktail of COVID, RSV and a very strong strain of I flu. I know, but Waterford's not exempt from that. Exactly, but that is challenging health services right around the world, the best run health services. What we see Maybe here they could all learn from Waterford. I suppose the question is, we have a specific example of how queues are being cleared why isn't it being rolled out elsewhere as a matter of urgency? Well, that's one of the areas that the uh, Minister is working with the HSE on because in the operational level of our health service, we can see there are a number of hospitals, six or eight, that are in the green category uh, in terms of patients on trolleys today and yet a number are feeling acute stress and obviously there's a significant variance here that has to be investigated. So the green category is low numbers on trolleys, Correct, is yeah. it? compared with you know, people that are over 24 hours on trolleys. And that's of huge concern. I think that variance really has to be investigated. But I would point out that we have a budget of €23.4 billion Euro to run our health service this coming year, 2023. That is the most record ever to run our health service. The investment that we have now in our health service has never been higher over the last 40 years in terms of building up permanent capacity, getting a 1,000... Uh, new acute beds, 350. I suppose it would beg the question, I'm going to go to the rest of the panel on this, just finally on, on, on this, Peter Burke. If there's that much money there and there's a visible system in place to stop this trolley crisis, why isn't it being solved? Well, we are seeing improvements, but we need more. We have a huge change in demographics in our population. And if you look deep down into the statistics in terms of people presenting at EDs this year compared to last year, a lot more people 
more elderly people are appearing at EDs. And the critical point there is that we've had a period where we had very little social interaction and all of a sudden our immune systems have got right. weaker and that causes well, no, pe- people, pe- people are living longer. People in have hardly been self-isolating Absolutely. either. But I'm acknowledging Murphy, that point very clearly you, that we have to do better across our hospital systems. You have maybe a closer up view than this. Uh, to others, Verona, you're, you're in Wexford, which is what, a 45 minute drive from Waterford. There are people on trolleys in, in Wexford. I think the local newspaper reported recently that the the hospital there is is at crisis point. So what's the difference? It's at crisis point and I think from my perspective certainly one difference that stands out is that we have Eli House. We don't have the same UPMC staffed hospital that Waterford does. We have a kind Sorry, of... Sorry, what you... We have Eli House which is a, it was a sub-hospital okay. that took care of day services. It was prepared during covid to actually take patients. Right, that, but you, what UPMC is? Is is the operation, uh, the people who oh, own yes, okay, the yeah, other yeah, hospital yeah, that, yes, that yeah, Rob yeah. Landers said they had taken extra capacity in. I think the reality is, you know, and I want to commend Waterford. I do a lot of work with Waterford. I'm actually only seven miles from the hospital because I, I can cross the river, um, whereby someone in Wexford Town would be 40 odd miles. But the reality here is we do not know what the repercussions and the consequences are of cancelling elective surgeries. We are operating in a vacuum because we haven't come to the stage where we know what the consequences will be. We don't have the information. But I would commend them on a day-to-day basis that I deal with Grace Rothwell and the staff in Waterford. They do a good job, as does Wexford. The real issue with the health service, and it's across the sector, is staffing. We, every day, Since I've been elected, I hear about recruitment and retention. Mm. I've heard everything from Peter that I've heard a hundred times on the floor of the door. 23 billion into a health service that all we seem to be getting in return are longer waiting lists. And that's going to be the consequence of what we're seeing in Waterford. The reality is, what are we doing to solve the problem? We know what the issues are. Like, I I have a list here. There's over 70 vacancies in the primary care settings that are to assist in our own constituencies. 70 vacancies from physiotherapists to home carers. So it's very difficult if the primary care isn't there to keep hospital beds free. Now... Hang on, I, I want to go to Aon O'Rear down on this. Mm. Um, again, If is more local autonomy uh, part of the answer to this, do you think? Well, I certainly think clearly some spin doctor has told Stephen Donnelly to pick a fight with the consultants because at the height of the crisis he seemed to suggest that it was the consultants not working weekends was the problem and now we hear today that he's going to ram through an agreement without, with or without their agreement, a new contract. So there seems to be this interface between him and the consultants thinks that he's going to get uh, some political cover over that. All the while, some of the solutions that have been presented to government on a cross-party basis such as Slauncher Care which is almost six years old, uh, would have reorganised the health system on a regional basis in a much better manner. We've talked about free GP care, which was introduced in the, in the when Labour were in government. In fairness, though, there, there, have, there have been other... Like, but, well, we, we had the health boards, then we had the HSE, a, then we had local hospital groups, but then this we had university-affiliated oh, ones. Right, and now we're, you in know, order so. to take the politics out of health care, what was decided was that you'd have a cross-party understanding of what was needed. 
it was delivered. It's six years old now and hasn't yet been, I'm sorry, the report was delivered, uh, but the the manifestation of that report hasn't been delivered and hard work went, in, went into that. So what none of us really wanted was to have an over and back government versus uh, opposition crisis discussion uh, such as we're having at the moment. Stauncher care was part of the answer. Free GP, free GP care was part of the answer. Minister doesn't seem to be serious about the vaccination rollout which you could have had in October and November, you know, preempting this sort of thing. And also listen to the INMO when they talk about mask mandates. I mean, there's plenty of things that the minister and government could have been uh, proceeding with on a sort of a short-term basis, but the macro long-term basis in terms of the Sanctuary Care report would really be um, uh, provide solutions to ensure that every hospital has a Waterford uh, experience and it wasn't done and Verona is right the retention and recruitment issue is chronic I have nurses uh, who I speak to who are at beyond breaking point beyond breaking point and I don't see how we can face into the into, into this year and potentially next winter uh, expecting them to stick around All right. just, I, just, I, I just want to go to Rob Landers before I, I go to Peter Burke Rob Landers the uh, uh, charge being levelled there that the uh, discussion of consultants is, is somewhat of a distraction in all of this. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I, I would. I, I think up to a point, I, I think, you know, to, to blame consultants for the current crisis is, is a little bit, you know, is a lazy narrative, really. Uh, consultants are not the problem. The consultants are in our hospitals, as I've said, 365 days a year, uh, over 24-7 period, providing care. And, you know, you're, you're talking about a workforce, as I said, where one in four posts, 900 consultant posts are vacant in this country. We need an additional 3,000. And to start blaming that workforce, uh, who've provided such stellar service uh, to the health service over the COVID pandemic and through the cyber attack is unfair and it's just a, a distraction and, and creating smoke. Are in, you in, affected by those staffing shortages in Waterford? Oh, absolutely, Colin. Right, okay. Yeah, we are. Absolutely, yeah, we are. Our uh, vacant rate is probably not 25%, it's probably closer to 20%. But yes, there right. are plenty post-vacant or not filled appropriately, you know, yeah. Okay, Peter Burke, you said the situation's improving. Um, Stephen Donnelly's been nearly three years in the job. One specific measure that has been passed that has actually improved the situation. Looking at the figures where we have today, what, is, what specific measure could you point to that has improved the situation in emergency departments? Well, in the first instance, what has improved it is that the extra beds, we have a thousand extra beds in the system. We have transitional measures with nursing homes for 654 beds, and we also have 350 beds in the community. We have 350 additional consultants added last year. And if you look in terms of the staff, we have 16,000 more staff working in our health service over the last three years, and we're going to add okay. 6,000 more next year. And, and but bear, Colm, I think and, we and have just, to be honest just, just, about just, the context of sure, this. We, well, that, 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 this was warned about in July. So when it's, it's, it's almost too late to do anything ahead of time to solve this crisis. But when well, we've the, seen when, an improvement when these, over the last when, week. When these peak numbers pass, is it time to immediately get down to start planning the capacity issues for next year rather than leaving it to post-July and coming yeah. up with a winter plan I late? I think it is time to continue the record investment that the government is putting into the service. Well, I know, continue but despite increasing that inv- permanent capacity, continue increasing there, the staff on the ground we have and to continue stop. increasing more to consultants be fair, on minister, the ground. To be fair, Minister, we have, you mentioned that we had 16,000 
additional jobs in the health service. Nobody has a breakdown of what frontline staff are part of that 16,000. To me, they've all gone into the administration levels. Well, the reality here, the reality is, the reality is we're behind the curve on bed capacity. We issue This is really important though, to planning. 262,000 PPS numbers issued last year. Where is the plan to provide doctors, nurses for those people? So over the last what is that break? Over the last three we, years, we four and a half it. thousand nurses and midwives were added, seven, 1,700 doctors and dentists, 2,600 healthcare and social workers, and 51 ED consultants were added and we're to still the system. Behind so there's a huge record investment right, okay, that's going there, into there the health service. There are service. other people who are having difficulties with being accommodated, not just those on trolleys. And we're going to look at that, the issue of refugee accommodation after this. Saturday with Colm O'Mungon on RTE Radio 1. 